Welcome to the Tech of Business show. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky. And on this show, we are exposing the technology that runs growing and thriving businesses today. From smart and innovative to nuts and bolts, there is no tech stone unturned. Now it's time to talk tech and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Tech of Business podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and this is our fifth episode in the Beyond the Broadcast email marketing series. Today, I have with me Ramon Darling from Keep.com, that's K-E-A-P.com, which is formerly known as Infusionsoft. Infusionsoft is a very powerful tool. Most clients that I have worked with who are using Infusionsoft or Keep as it is now known use probably about 30% of the capabilities, which is pretty high actually because there are so many ways to use this piece of software. But the cool thing about today's conversation is that we don't even get into the platform. The platform speaks for itself. It has a market reputation. And so Ramon and I decided that rather than hashing through the product and giving you the nooks and crannies and you know the inside scoop it made a lot more sense to bring a different element of email marketing into the conversation. Ramon and I talk about what to do using email marketing after the purchase, after the credit card is in, after that person has said yes I am in. I am purchasing your course. I am buying your membership site. I am buying your one-on-one services or your group program. What's next? And how can your email marketing platform support you in continuing that relationship? That's what we talk about. And I cannot wait for you to, and I cannot wait for you to listen to all of the brilliance that Ramon brings to the podcast. Ramon, thank you so much for coming on the Tech of Business podcast and being part of this email marketing series, which I've kind of dubbed Beyond the Broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the final interview with an expert from one of the email marketing companies on this series. And so the next episode is going to just be me and the mic and kind of wrapping up everything. And before we hit record, we discussed what was the purpose of bringing you on and what type of content we wanted to discuss today on the episode that would really help to bring forward the power of email marketing and using email not just in your lead gen side of things but throughout the customer experience and the customer journey so we kind of landed right here of after the purchase right yes and um this is one of the things that typically Um, businesses, entrepreneurs at all, they'll typically they won't plan for it because the, once you take payment, once somebody becomes a customer, uh, the irony of it is, is that the customer experience oftentimes will be uh, less than, um, less than perfect for lack of a better term, because you've kind of exhausted all of your efforts, just getting the customer. 
And so a lot of times what will happen is, is people will be thinking about what is my customer experience? What is the communication plan that I have in place? But that's all in furtherance of the sale. What happens once you take payment is to the customer, from their perspective, the customer experience. Everything before that was just me, was just turning my interest into more than um, a fleeting interest, but like a buying interest and then purchasing. So when you think about customer experience, don't be thinking about it as a seller, be thinking about it from the perspective of the buyer. And so today we're going to talk about what they believe the customer experience is. Oh, I love the way that you framed that. So what we're saying is that email marketing, up until the credit card comes out of the wallet and gets inserted onto the web page, is self-serving. It is for your business. As soon as that credit card transaction takes place, well, I mean, we're really talking about my sweet spot here. This is like, I love that customer journey. I love making sure that we're over-delivering our promises. We're delivering what's expected. And that's really the point in time when the customer sees their journey. They don't see all the stuff, all the all the little breadcrumbs that you've put in there. They just see the giant mansion that they just got a key for. Yes. And, you know, um, when I, when I, and frequently speak at live events, I'll talk about the customer journey um, using the lyrics from uh, a foreigner song, like an old love ballad, right? I want to know what love is. Because the chorus basically explains what the customer experience is when you break it down into four groups of suspects, prospects, opportunities, and customers, right? So a suspect says, I want to know what love is, right? They go out and they search for a solution. Mm-hmm. And then um, they become a prospect and they say, and I want you to show me. That might be the call to action, right? These are things that you've talked about in the series, yes. right? And then um, when you deliver something to them, they want to see themselves in the solution. And so you kind of customize or tailor the solution to their expectation. And that's, uh, I want to feel what love is, right? They want to be brought into the experience and make it real for them. And then when they, when they, when they, when they, you know, they feel it and they show it and they love it and all that, when, when they love it, right, um, I know you can show me, that's when they become a customer because that whole experience has informed the purchasing decision. So now for them, you need to make them feel the love. You need to deliver on the central proposition. And so this customer experience is leveraging all of the unique things that you did throughout the journey in the marketing portion of the acquisition and saying, okay, how can I leverage those same tools to create like an amazing customer experience so they'll go out and they'll say great things about me and I can generate more sales. Absolutely. Yeah. And some parts of that experience come with whatever tool you're using to deliver your online content, whether you're delivering a course, you're delivering a masterclass, you're delivering um, a membership site, you're delivering um, a group coaching, whatever that might be. Those are one aspect of it. But what you have landing in their inbox after the purchase that is, that's, that's a very big piece of that experience that you are providing them. If you took, you know, finished the transaction and you gave them access to a course platform, for example, and the last email that they got from you about that course was, here's your access and that's it, you're leaving that experience as a door that 
nobody's walked through yet. But if we go in and do more from an email's perspective, from a continuing to engage and to help that person accomplish their goal with purchasing your product or your service, that is, that's really where, um, we're coming in to email marketing and sending emails after the purchase really makes sense. So can we go into the different types of emails that you may want to send to a customer um, within the first little bit after they make whatever purchase it might be? Yes. So when you and I were prepping for this call, we talked about the, you know, I'm really keen on storylines. Yes. And there are five fundamental elements to any great story. You can look at any great story in all of history, and it's always the same five things. It's exposition, it's rising action, it's climax, it's falling action, it's resolution. So the climax is the purchase. Now, the falling action is the beginning of the customer journey. And so the climax is I'm making promises, I'm making promises, I'm making promises. And the, the, the next step needs to be the delivery of the promises. So how do you do that? Well, the first thing you want to do is, is you want to recap everything that you promised and ensure that people know exactly what they bought. This is, a, this is a very common failing of business where they think we've been communicating for days, weeks, sometimes a year. And so now that you've bought, a bought a purchasing is something of, a, of an emotional experience. And so there's this, you know, this ramping up, this adrenaline rush when people finally buy and sometimes they have a little bit of like temporary insanity right where they don't know what just happened but i just bought oh <laughs> what did i buy so it's really really important to clearly communicate now that you've bought here's what you what you purchased and here's what how you can expect to receive what you've purchased and clearly delineate the next steps, right? Like it's very important to say, for instance, if you have an online course, these, here is the course content. Here is the order by which it will be delivered. Here's the cadence by which you should consume it. Here are your expectations, right? Here are the outcomes once you have. People should always feel that they understand what the transformation is, the from the two. So if I bought, at the end of that, what, how will I be transformed? What is my win? What does success look like? So if you can, in the very beginning, talk about that, you know, that mini journey and what success looks like, you're making that experience real for the buyer. And if they are entrenched in the experience and they feel connected to it on a visceral level, like on a personal, like a heartfelt level, they'll not only be engaged in the process, but they'll also want to talk about it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is this is like the most important thing is just to be clear on what you sold and clear on what the transformation looks like. Yes, yes. So that is, you know, if you are selling a course and there's drip content, mm -hmm. then letting them know you're going to get an email every single week with the new content and it's going to be available in this same 
place. Keep this login information handy so that every week you can go back to it. Or if if you're delivering content in live sessions, expectations, let them know you should bring a paper and pencil, you should do your homework, you should do your pre-work, those kinds of things. That is helping set them up for success with whatever it is that you are offering them and that they have already purchased. Agreed. And and to pile on to that, it's also understanding the psychology of the consumer because not every buyer is the same. You know, we talk about this in, in services. You have people who, you know, you have done for you, done with you, done by you. Those are very different archetypes. There are do-it-yourselfers and there's people who are like, I throw my hands up. I don't get any of it. Can someone just please assist me? So done for you, done by you, done with you. Those are three unique archetypes. Then within that, and I'm going to, this is going to be a little bit self-serving, but for me, when people send me video content, we both know, Jamie, that video content is the future and forever, right? Like short form video is going to be the thing that people are going to use forever. And, you know, even video with an expiry date, right? If you look at Snapchat, like you see video and then you may never see it again. Um, But for me, if you send me video content, I'm way less likely to consume it because I'm a speed reader. And when I receive video content, I don't know how long I've got to go to get to the thing that I care about. So it's important to know that there are people out there who want to see video content, but if you have a transcript of the content, if you can um, distill from the video content what specifically you're delivering, you can then drive people back to the content because Obviously, with video content, there's so many cool things that you can do, you know, understanding how much they've consumed, where they stopped consuming, following up and automating that process in this customer experience, right? Using that information to automate. There are so many things that you can, so many ways that you can win from video content, but you don't want to put all your eggs in the basket of people are going to watch my videos, they're going to love it, and then they're going to share it. If you do that, you're leaving opportunity on the table. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, um, with a lot of the courses that I put together for clients, I ask them, I say, can we rip the audio? Can we make the audio portable? They'll still want to come back. And I I actually listened to... the TED radio, uh, TED talks on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really good example of taking something that's video content I, and they rip the audio. And every so often I listen to one of those and I'm like, I got about 30%. And then I will come back if I was interested enough, which usually right. if I got to the end, right. I will come back and watch that video because they had so many more pieces to that available. So when it comes to learning your customer and learning how they consume content, making sure that you're open to providing them the content in the way that they want. And the only way that you're going to find out how they want it is to communicate with them. Yes. And what you just said there was brilliant because when I listen to podcasts, depending on who is delivering the content or the subject matter, I might listen to that content at, you know, a 1.5 or a 2x speed. Right. So it's brilliant that what you've done there is, you know, said, hey, let's rip the audio and let's see if we can get more people consuming it because people just don't have the time. Um, and, and this is one of the reasons why when, if you're delivering course content, people will not complete courses. 
I don't have the study data. I looked into this a few years ago when I was helping an individual who was just launching uh, an online course business. And so the information is dated. So I don't want to start quoting statistics from 2015. <laughs> but I believe that at the time, based on the specific type of um, content that he was delivering, better than 60% of consumers didn't complete that course content even though they paid more than $200. So <laughs> this is why the customer experience and automating the customer experience is really important. Uh, a friend of mine, Greg Jenkins, who owns a company called MonkeyPod Marketing, and I'm not trying to get him a free plug on your podcast, sorry. But Greg no, no, no. I'm, I'm very much all about, like, if there's something useful to share, let's share it. <laughs> Thank you so much. So Greg, he created this course. He's like one of the smartest people I know uh, when it comes to teaching um, the key product. And so he created this course content and he, he built all of these little unique vignettes, right? Because that's another thing about the customer experiences is you don't want to create this tremendous sense of overwhelm. I have a partner right now who, when you buy his course, every one of his videos is at least an hour. It's so hard to get people to sit through a whole hour of content. So you want to make sure that you're not really delivering more than about 30 to 35 minutes ever in course content. Break it up into more courses because people need to feel like they're progressing. And if they don't feel like they're winning, then they feel like they're losing. And if they're losing, they're going to associate the losing with you, not with themselves because people always look for other ways to find, place blame, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. You got to be so careful. But the cool thing that Greg does is, is he, he uses – um, automation to push people along and create this sense of accountability throughout the course. So, yes. hey, I see you started the course, but I see that you didn't finish it. Here's a link back to video one. Mm -hmm. And here are the five things that you will get from that video. So he's once again, speaking to the transformational process. And he monitors that activity throughout. And he has what, 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 what I like to call building campaigns, expecting people to fail because people almost will never do what you want them to do, right? So you build all of the campaigns based on failure. And then if they succeed, mazel tov, right? But if they don't, you need to have a plan with an expectation of how the average consumer consumes and they typically will fail you. So plan for that. I love that. And you know, that's so funny because that actually is an automation that I built in for one of my clients. What we did is um, based on the last sign-in date of, uh, so like you register on, you know, like they paid for the product today. Right. And then, so we set the, the start date as today, as the, the start date is. And then every single time they complete a chapter, mm -hmm. we update what their last completion date was and what chapter it was. And then if the time lapses between those two is five days or eight days or whatever the threshold is, you as the course creator has created, an automated email goes out. And just as you were saying, Ramon, it's customized. It's saying, hey, I noticed that you finished chapter two, module three, mm -hmm. um, at, you know, five days ago, right. I was wondering if you had any problems with the next chapter or if, uh, or, you know, I, so inviting a conversation back, telling them, hey, I noticed you. Right. And yes, that's automated, but it's automated in a way that is 
on brand, it's on point, and they're going to receive it in a way that makes sense to them. Like, hey, I'm really glad that this course creator likes me enough and cares enough about me to make, check in on me. It's brilliant. And what – if you think about people when they make New Year's resolutions and they decide that this is the year that I'm going to get fit, <laughs> right? This is this, – this, it's not like the other years. One of the things that you'll see is there's a tremendous spike in personal fitness purchasing because they want somebody to be there to guide them through the process and hold them accountable. Yes. Accountability, providing accountability for your customer is not a bad thing. It's almost always a good thing. They appreciate it because frankly, I can do nothing without my calendar. Nothing. My whole life is built into my calendar. And you would have no clue how many things that are like incredibly important that I forget without a calendar reminder. So I'm using technology as my accountability system. So if you can do the same thing, you're, once again, you're, you're, you're ingraining your process into how people experience technology now, right? They work through mobile. They work through notifications. They work through tasks. If you can gamify the experience for the consumer and, and deliver accountability the way that they expect, you're, once again, creating this feeling of tremendous satisfaction for your consumer because the consumer's like, you get me. You really understand me. You understand that I need that. Um, and so, uh, for example, uh, with one of our, one of the partners that I work with, they, they, have a, they have a system for delivering the, their content that is not just about leveraging the technology and the consumer experience, but it's also about creating a repeatable, predictable experience internally. So when uh, they first deliver the first course or the first module of their course, what they'll do is they'll set into motion a series of tasks that based on the course content and based on the expectations within the course of you are supposed to have three things done within three days, the internal representative who is attached to that customer also is pinged with a task that one, uh, three days in a row, they are supposed to send out a unique tailored message that is clearly not automated. So mm -hmm. automation is great to get people to buy and automation is great to deliver content, but in there, there needs to be a sense of human experience. And so you don't want to use technology in its entirety because you want to create a concierge type of experience. Now, like, like when I go to Disneyland and I stay at the Grand Californian and mm -hmm. I have a map, I have all of the rides, I know where everything is, but I always go to the concierge desk because they always tell me stuff I can't find in the standard brochure content. So that is why I always go back to that incredibly expensive hotel. <laughs> because I know I'm going to get concierge level service. So you have to make sure that you're creating a human experience throughout the process, 
don't rely solely on the robot, robotic mechanical means, right, that you're leveraging through technology. Make sure that people feel connected to you on a human level. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so we've kind of talked about these online deliverables, mm-hmm. these online courses we, you know, or membership sites or, um, you know, that type of product. Mm-hmm. When someone buys something and much like what you're talking about with like with Disneyland and the, the experience, they there is something more than um, two-dimensional right. about that experience right. I mean it's it's an it's a complete 360 experience and I know that there are um, times when our consumers our purchasers are needing more of a 360 they mm-hmm. need more than just what's on the screen right. and you know it may be a personalized note that you send them or a video that you send them that is um, audio or video or something like that that you can send through email. Right. And I'm wondering if, uh, if how you know or when what kind of triggers you might be able to use in an automation or in an email marketing or a CRM or things like that or just kind of monitoring level of things so that you know when it's time to do that 360 type of outreach and you do something that's a little bit more um immersive I I don't really love that word but I mean just something that's a little bit more than what they expected yeah so you need to I mean that's a I mean that's a brilliant insight thank you for that because now I'm thinking of a whole wealth of things that I forgot to talk about so (laughs) (laughs) so um when I consult with businesses I always talk about five, five things, five fundamental elements of any successful endeavor. The strategy, plan, resource, execution, and experience, right? So we're, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about customer experience. Yes. In that, those things always have to happen in that order. You have to have a strategy that informs a plan. A plan allows you to allocate resource. Resources allow you to execute. And then you measure the experience as a user and then you measure the consumer experience, you tie those two things together, and then it informs that strategy back up the line all the way, uh, or inform, yeah, it informs the strategy all the way back up the line to the very beginning of the process, right? Which is, what are the strategic things that you're teaching? Whenever you build something like that with those five fundamental elements, you need to have an expectation of an outcome. We talked about this transformational process. But more importantly, you need to have an expectation of when the transformation occurs. So. You as a entrepreneur need to say, if I deliver my central proposition, the expectation is the customer will be able to recognize value in X amount of time. For some people, that's immediate. For some people, if it's a course, it's within four weeks. But within four weeks, you should have a plan to be able to say, you've now completed your course and you've achieved X. Now what we need to do is we need to measure your satisfaction. Now, I don't typically love when I get to the end of a call and the stay on the line for a one question survey. (laughs) Like those don't really move me because they're just a standardized NPS scoring method to determine whether or not your customer service is on point. And then they'll review the phone call to determine whether or not somebody made needed some training. Right. But that doesn't, collect enough information from the consumer to understand where are the opportunities for improvement. So when you get to the end of the, let's say, four-week course, you should have a a system 
in place that will deliver an assessment, a survey that talks about the most important elements of the course and whether or not the people consumed the content, understood the outcome, and then were able to achieve it. You need to be able to identify that and deliver that. Because if you don't, you don't know if the money that you spent to generate a lead was worthy of the spend. You don't know if the customer is likely to refer your business. But if you ask the simple question of how likely are you to refer us, you know, I don't know how much you can rely on that information. Because, it, you know, some people are going to say yes just because they don't want to be confrontational, right? And they don't know if they might run into you. Some people will say no because one little hiccup occurred, they didn't feel like you addressed it, and they don't feel like they have uh, a feedback loop. So you've got to have a means to collect information so that now you understand the demographic data that will inform the firmographic data that will help you to spend money accordingly so that you get the right types of customers and or to recognize where there might be other revenue opportunities. Because sometimes people will tell you in those surveys, when you ask them things point blank, what else would you like to see? They may give you an insight into a whole other revenue stream. So you've got to collect the information from a consumer because people want to tell you stuff if you just ask them. Look how much I'm talking every time you ask me a question. I can't wait to stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but you're absolutely right. This email marketing series and the whole beyond the broadcast idea mm-hmm. came about from people asking me, hey, Jamie, can we – can you dig into this a little bit more on the podcast? And that's why I actually set up the URL callwithjamie.com. I set that up so that people can have open, t- I mean, it's only available on Thursdays and, you know, they're 15 minute spots, but people, they have my ear. And what do I do during that time? I listen to what they want out of the podcast and what they are struggling with with technology. That's the way that I do. And then, of course, this is pre consumer, but, you know, but not, not post consumer. But when you know that someone has purchased whatever product it is, whether it's a coaching package, whether it's a mentorship, a mastermind, a a certification, a membership, whatever it might be, conducting that, did you get what you were expecting? What was your favorite part of the course? What part of the course you stumbled on? What What week was the easiest, most difficult? Those kinds of questions, you're getting more information from them to be able to help them further but also to help your business grow more because you've got more evidence of what people are um, consuming and how it's working for them right and if you and like if we just talked about simple tactics right and you you know because you and I are you know clearly what we're trying to do is we're trying to deliver to your listeners strategic opportunities but let's just talk tactically here are some things that 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 we do now or that I've done with other businesses Um, If you are a service-based business that is consultative, offering people an additional consult at the end of the course is a great way to now turn what might be just course content into a one-on-one retainer that is perpetual and and recurring, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's a real opportunity there. And what you don't want to do is make the assumption that when they got to the end of the course that they've gotten enough of you. Sometimes people want to spend more money for direct access. So, yes. so you got to give them the opportunity to do that and make no assumptions. Somebody that you might believe was rubbing two pennies together to buy your course might actually just be incredibly frugal and sitting on a mountain of cash. So you don't want to make assumptions about what they, about 
the financial opportunity simply because maybe they bought one of your entry-level courses. That could have just been a proving ground. They may have just been trying to determine whether or not they should buy anything else that you sell. So don't make assumptions. That's one, right? Mm -hmm. Number two is do the things that people expect. Deliver discount offers to purchase more products, right? It seems so pedantic, but you people are already hardwired to expect those things. People are hardwired to buy on the Super Bowl weekend at television, right? Memorial Day weekend, 4th of July, Valentine's Day, Labor Day. They're already conditioned to do that. I was in that loop for 18 months before I bought my big screen TV, and I only shopped on those dates. I'm conditioned. So follow the conditioning. Yeah, that is so good. That is so good. So let's bring this back to email marketing yeah. and really kind of sending those messages yeah. back to your customer after they have purchased, after they have uh, consumed your content and those kinds of things. And so that we can kind of wrap this series up um, oh. back where we kind of started it with that that customer journey within um, their inbox. Yeah. So everything that we talked about can be li- delivered through emails Um, Mm -hmm. and the the cool thing about email marketing is is that because it is so it is so um, uh, omnipresent there are so many cool plugins that will allow you to do really unique things leveraging the email marketing so for example when someone buys there's this cool thing called pick snippets and it's an email integration solution that works with our product, but I think it works with several other products. And what it'll allow you to do is take a picture of say, for instance, you as the, as the entrepreneur owner of the business, and you can hold up uh, like a white sign. And then that white sign can be customized for the customer to, to say something like, hey, Jamie, congratulations on your home purchase. Hey, Jamie, thank you so much for buying my course. These little things that might seem otherwise innocuous are really, really cool things that make people smile. If we make people smile, they want to buy more. So leveraging other tools, um, plus this is a solution where we talked about the video content. If you're automating the follow-up to deliver the emails, but you have a solution like plus this that can tell you this individual only watched 30 seconds of the video, you can use that for all the downstream communication because now you might know that this person might just not be a consumer, right? This could allow you to then downsell to other products. Rather than have somebody quit you, set up a fail-safe system to deliver a downsell opportunity. When When you're building your campaigns, your campaigns should never feel like they're this huge thing that you can't wrap your arms around. Campaigns should feel like little mini experiences that you can then tie together. So one of the things that I often struggle with is I will work with someone who is very well-versed in email marketing and really, really good at business, really good at marketing, just basically is super crisp in every way. And so you get, you typically when you sit down with them, you're like, wow, you're the best ever. But what ends up happening is they've taken all their learnings and they've thrown them all into this huge kettle and it becomes so unwieldy that they can't ever audit the experience to determine whether or not 
it's a sound one. They just deliver so much, right? However, delivering, it's better to over-communicate than under-communicate. I would say that. Um, if, you, if any of your listeners are followers of Digital Marketer Ryan Dice, they know that that team sends you an email like every day. Yes. You get an email like 300 days out of the year, right? I would say 340. <laughs> right. you know? um, but here's the thing. The, there's intrinsic value in their communications. And they know that for every dollar spent on email marketing, you return on average $44.25. But only if you're taking a measured approach to what it is that you're delivering. So if there's value in your messaging, you want to make sure that you continue to communicate because uh, um, I was reading a study that said that 85% of, of email consumers would like to receive an email at least once a month from, their, from people that they follow, people that they respect. And many of the, uh, I think greater than 40% said daily. Right. So that's nuts. Mm -hmm. That's nuts to me. But it's real because people live through emails. So you need to be thinking about the cadence of your messaging. As, as a buyer, I may not want to be hit with endless communication or I might. So you need to be able to track what they're not only the open rates, but the click through rates, what specifically they're clicking looking at the, the measurable data and then modifying the communication based on the information that they've delivered you. And that's probably stuff that you've covered in the series prior to today. But it, Absolutely. it's still relevant in the customer experience because that opens your eyes to the opportunity to sell more. Let's not think about customers as a one-time purchase. Let's think about them as lifetime value. And lifetime value is born from you tailoring additional sales based on the information that they provide you. Totally. Absolutely. I, I love the way that you kind of brought this all back to the, to the uniqueness of the experience. And I mean, there were about 400 questions that popped up into my head as you were going through that. And I think that that, that just is a testament to how vital it is to have an actual strategy when it comes to using email to communicate with your leads, with your warm audience, with your cold audience, with your customers, with your past customers who haven't bought. There are so much that we can do with email that it's not a once and done decision. It's something that you're going to be working in for the length of your business. I don't think there's anything that's going to replace email anytime soon. That's right. And, and you know, the other thing too is, is you need to collect testimonials from your customers. You need to be explicit in the request for testimonials because people want to give those to you. But once again, like, like I was saying before, you just have to ask for this stuff. You have to ask for testimonials. I've never gone on Amazon and bought anything where I didn't review the testimonials. Mm -hmm. I almost always start at the worst ones, right? I want to know right. what people said who were incredibly aggravated. When, when, when someone visits your site and when someone opens your email, it's one thing for you to tell a story about the cool things that you do. But if, you, but if somebody else is telling the story, now it seems more genuine. So you've got to collect those, those testimonials. And sometimes you might work with a customer who is amazing. 
if they're amazing, you want to spotlight that individual. Ask them if you can. Ask them if you can, you know, uh, collect some, you know, do a little audio interview or do a little mm -hmm. video interview. Uh, catch people at live events, catch people in live settings, go to their office, shoot it on your phone. Don't think that you have to have this like world-class production value. An iPhone video looks really, really good. Uh, there's, I just saw a movie that was shot entirely on an iPhone, right? So yeah. <laughs> collect that information and then leverage it. And, and, but when you make the experience personal, when you can do things like even though you can email market and even though you can automate sending a postcard like using send out cards, right? You can automate that the delivery of a message. If you handwrite a letter, nobody handwrites a letter anymore, right? So handwrite a letter and in it, maybe on the outside of the envelope, have a link back to the site, right? <laughs> Create this meta experience and drive people back to some specific thing. Like, mm -hmm. just make sure that you that you are leveraging email marketing to create a personalized experience that makes people feel really, really warm and fuzzy inside. Absolutely. And with that, I'd love for us to wrap up. So, yeah. Ramon, I know we have not talked about Keep at all, that's but I know that uh, <laughs> that's totally fine. But I know that that's pretty much where we're going to send people if they want to learn more about you and learn more about email marketing, whatever it might be. So whatever social links or uh, websites that you want to share at this point, please, I'm opening up the field for you to do that. And as the listeners know, I always end every episode with a curveball question so we're going to come back for that <laughs> awesome so uh please if you want to learn more about keep just go to keep.com super easy k-e-a-p because uh, we can't create trademark the actual word right k-e-a-p.com uh, and you can go on there and we keep is keep is formally known as a company formerly known as infusionsoft many people think that infusionsoft was acquired by keep no, we just changed the name because we also created a brand new product called Keep, and it's built for service-based businesses, both professional and trade, right? Personal, uh, you know, you could be a personal trainer, you could be a lawyer, uh, you could be a plumber, but it's built for those types of businesses, and uh, it's a cool new thing that leverages workflow automation and email marketing and the things that we talked about here today, but built for, like, the everyman user, and then... For many of you, you already know that Infusionsoft is like the Rolls-Royce standard in marketing automation, and it's built for businesses that are looking to scale and grow both their sales and marketing efforts. So please visit keap.com, and you can also find us on social at Keep, like across the board, uh, at Keep Growing um, uh, on Twitter, I believe. And uh, Jamie is... I'm, you're open to, or I, I welcome you sharing my direct contact information if anybody wants to reach out to me. Very cool. I will have that in the show notes. And are you ready for the uh, the curveball here? Here we go. <laughs> okay. If all of a sudden a new avenue came on the market uh -huh. for someone to be able to reach their customer after the purchase that doesn't exist yet there's it's something other than video it's something other than email it's something other than social media it's something other than picking up the phone or sending a paper card what do you what would you think could exist or could be created to 
over deliver. I love over delivering. I love exceeding expectations. What's the next horizon? <sighs> it's so hard to think about an answer that doesn't include workflow automation. So um, <laughs> I think, so I had this question a while back and it, it, somebody asked me because Jeff Bezos talks about what would it be if it was magic. Uh, Damon John always talks about that, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. In a in an ideal world, I would leverage Snapchat to deliver a unique customer experience at point of sale. And because Snapchat is ubiquitous. I mean it's everywhere. I have it on my phone and I almost never on it. But it is I mean it's probably the most engaging customer experience because it's so cool and unique. Um, I would have some integration that would create a unique customer experience within Snapchat for all products and services that I engage with as a consumer. So I know that this is something that Snapchat would like to do, but it's huge. But I think that they're building it now, you know, like in the lab. So mm -hmm. Um, I know Instagram already is trying to create that experience, but Snapchat's trying to do it like on a way more robust level. So if I were, if I were any one of your listeners, I would say, keep an eye out for that solution. I know Apple's probably trying to do it, but Apple never does anything first. They just do it best. Right. <laughs> but I, I would think that that's probably the future. The future is a customer brand portal within Snapchat. And anytime I buy something, I'm pinged with something directly from the manufacturer or the seller. I love that. I love the idea. This is why I have this episode or why I have this question at the end of every episode is just to expand the horizons, to see what can come next. And for us to just all collectively Think beyond the present and, I mean, nothing that we are using today existed 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago. So what is coming in the future and is going to help our businesses may not exist yet. And so, again, Ramon, I want to thank you so much for being part of this series and for coming on the Tech of Business podcast. You're welcome. I loved this. It was so much fun. Please have somebody from Keep Come Back. Nobody wants to hear me again. But please keep <laughs> us in your thoughts if you ever do another series because this was amazing. Awesome. I will definitely think about bringing someone back from Keep um, and talking more about workflow automation. Thank you. If that had been scripted, I don't think I could have done a better job. Ramon, thank you again for being on the Tech of Business podcast. I absolutely am thrilled to have brought this interview to the listeners. And so you, as a listener, after you have just finished listening to everything that Ramon talked about and that he and I were discussing, what are you going to do and how are you going to leverage the power of email marketing in your business? You can get something new set up just this week, okay? I'm challenging you. Go ahead, set something new up, 
connect with us over in the Tech of Business community. That's techofbusiness.com forward slash community. It's a private Facebook group and I don't even ask for your email address to join. All I want is for us to continue the conversation for you to use technology to move your business forward. So let's see what kind of brilliance you have gleaned from this series and showcase it inside the community. Our final episode of this series is just me and the mic and helping you kind of take the next step. I've got some really great nuggets in there. I cannot wait to have us wrap this series up. If you know someone else who may be interested in leveraging email marketing, send them over to techofbusiness.com forward slash series forward slash email dash marketing. That's where all six episodes, once I release the final episode, will be hanging out for you. Or just in your podcast app, click on the share buttons, which might be behind the little ellipses, and share this episode. Send it in the... Facebook message, send it in a text message, send it via email. It doesn't really matter how you send it, but that person who is receiving it, they are going to get so much value from it and they're going to love you for it. Thanks for listening to the Tech of Business podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, or wherever you download your favorite shows. You can also check out the show notes and learn more about me at techofbusiness.com. I'll see you next week.